Hey hikers, welcome to the Thruer Podcast, where we talk to new and experienced long distance or through hikers about their adventures on and off trail. I'm your host, Cheer. Today we have our very first guest, an experienced AT hiker named J.C. Van Etten, or Katmandu. I've had the pleasure to meet Katmandu before recording this episode on our through crew Zoom meetups, actually, and he has such great knowledge and insight about through hiking, especially on the AT. Katmandu now has his sights set on hiking the PCT, and he's continuing to hike to support an amazing cause called Paws of War which he'll describe more in detail during our conversation. Also during the interview, we discuss the people who make the trail community worthwhile, his week-a-thon to battle the Virginia blues, and the magical toilet paper roll. <laughs> if that's not a teaser, I don't know what is, especially for through hikers. So without further ado, enjoy my discussion with Katmandu. Welcome, Katmandu. I'm finally pronouncing it right, right? Yes, you got it. <laughs> I used to say Katmando, but it's Katmandu. So we'll go yes. over your trail name um, in the questions that we go through. But welcome, Katmandu, to the Thruer Podcast. Thank, um, thank you. you for coming on and thank you for staying up late for us. <laughs> so for the listeners, just to get an idea of um, the progression of this interview, um, and I know, Katmandu, we already kind of went over this, but... Um, we're going to go have um, Katmandu give a little intro for himself. Um, and then we're going to go through some rapid fire questions. These are just meant to be short answer and fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll get to the bulk of the interview, which are the 10 questions that we think kind of summarize a through hike. Um, and then, you know, if the, this, these can morph over time, if you have any suggestions at the end, let me know. Cause I can add okay. 10, but I thought 10 questions is a good standard. Mm -hmm. um, and if we keep them the same over time for different people, it'd be great for especially new hikers to um, compare contrast answers mm -hmm. um, that the hikers give. So um, for somebody like you, you've done the AT. So right. we're gonna, um, this will be specific to your experience on the AT, but I know you have some really fun trips planned for this uh -huh. year and I'm sure beyond. So maybe we can have you back on after those treks as well um, and cater towards those tracks. So like if you do the PCT someday, you know, we can have you on again and you could talk about the PCT. But for the purposes of this interview, you are an experienced hiker and you've done the AT. Yes. Um, so um, we can go over that, the 10 different questions specifically for the AT for you. Um, mm -hmm. And then anything you think I might've missed, um, you know, you can add anything in at the end. Um, mm -hmm. And I also want to ask you, I know um, you hike for Paws of War. Yes. Is that right? So I'd love for you to talk more about that maybe at the end of the interview. Sure. Um, and then just to close, we'll go over um, where we can keep up with your adventures. Okay, sounds okay. great. So, um, go ahead and um, introduce yourself. Okay, my name is JC Van Etten. Uh, my trail name is Katmandu. I live in Daytona Beach, Florida. And um, I've always dreamed of long distance hiking. Uh, when I was a young teenager, uh, we camped in Virginia uh, in the Blue Ridge Mountains and I saw some hikers 
Um, asked them what they were doing. They said they were hiking from Georgia to Maine. I said, that sounds crazy. It's something I'm going to do. Um, but like a lot of things in life, life gets in the way, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. So I never lost that desire to hike. I just waited until I retired. Uh, fortunately, I retired early uh, at a young age and started training right away. And at the age of 55, I got on the trail and uh, I hiked the AT. So it was a lifelong goal and I never, you know, left, let it get out of sight. So. Right. You hiked the AT, it was in 2019. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. Okay. So yep. we were hiking at the same year. I did the PCT, you did the AT. Yep. <laughs> Great year to hike, especially since we all know what happened in 2020. So it's exactly. good we got it in when we could. <laughs> yes, yes, for nice. sure. And did you grow up in Virginia? No, so I grew in I uh, grew up in upstate New York. Uh, it's very rural, um, and um, you know, so I was always near the woods and in the mountains. So that's my happy place. You know, I'm I'm happy in Florida, but there's no mountains. Right. So, yeah, I need mountains. Mm, yep. <laughs> Yeah, aren't there some hike hike? Isn't there some hiking trails in um, like the Everglades or? Um, yeah, so the the Florida Trail uh, is thirteen hundred miles long, um, and it essentially goes from the Panhandle all the way through to the Everglades National Park. Oh so, wow! I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, it's it's a it's a long trail. Um, a number of people will hike the AT, take a month off, and then start in January in Florida and hike the the Florida Trail. Um, it's not high on my list. It's on my list, but, um, I've hiked a few hundred miles on it and you have to be comfortable, uh, walking through swamps because sometimes it's up to your waist. Um, so you have to be fine with cotton mouths, alligators, things like that. I like mountains. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of intense in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, so moving on to rapid fire, and these can be very short answers or they can be long, whatever you want. Um, so this is a fun one. What is the grossest thing you did or ate while on trail? The grossest thing I did or ate. Um, and I've had time to think about this, but I really, like my mind stalled. I couldn't think of like the grossest thing. Um, probably, I don't know, probably I went, I went at least seven days without a shower, but you know, that's, that, that's the longest time, um, you know, but everybody smells bad around you. So you really don't notice it. So right. maybe mm -hmm. that's the grossest thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's not too, you're pretty good. That's not too bad. That's I think kind of standard for through hikers, you know? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. That's kind I of unremarkable. Yeah. What was that? It's kind of unremarkable for a through hiker, you know, it's just like, <laughs> really, that's all, you know? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Yeah. I've gone nine and that was kind of getting to be a different level. Yeah. Intense stink. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think seven days. That's yeah. about standard. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. This is a quick one. Ultralight or don't care? UL or don't care? I don't care. Um, <laughs> You know, I carried 43 pounds on the AT from start to finish. Um, I changed out midway to my summer sleeping bag, got rid of some insulated clothing, 
things of that nature, but I was so hungry. I just displaced that weight with food. So uh, there you uh, go. I am trying to make an effort to go a little bit lighter, but I'm not a fanatic. Um, so, and I'm just doing that to be more sustainable so I can continue to do trails. So, yeah, right. Yeah, a little easier on the joints, but you don't really mm -hmm. obsess over it. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I love hearing what hikers think because there's such a divide, you know, between oh, yeah. ultra light and then the lightweight and then kind of, you know, the heavier. So yeah, I yeah, love to ask sure. that question. <laughs> okay. Last one, boots or trail runners, another debate in the through hiking community. I am a trail runner fanatic. Love them. Absolutely mm -hmm. love them. Um, I go through them like water, but I still love them. They're just you get about 500 miles per pair. I, or? I wish. I wish. Um, I think the most I've ever gotten is 350. Okay. Uh, I don't know why. Um, I've, you know, other hikers, friends of mine will get greater mileage um i i can't i <laughs> i can't figure out why i go through them so fast but i go through them fast i was wondering since um you know i hiked the pct you hiked the at i was wondering if maybe it's specific to the at because maybe the roots like tripping over the roots you know it, it could be i mean you know i'm looking you know i, I just got my permit yesterday so i'm gonna be going sobo and i i'm thinking about those lava fields and how quick they're gonna eat my shoes up oh yes i can tell you about that <laughs> yeah yeah i just see them as just like little mini shoe sharks oh so, for sure yeah <laughs> yeah we can definitely talk about that in um one of our through crew meetups or something but i know for me I just had gotten, gotten new shoes, but they didn't quite fit. Mm -hmm. um, I think I kind of jumped the gun on getting a bigger size of shoe. And so I ended up going to REI and Bend, which I was going Nobo and you're going to be going Sobo. But um, I went after that stretch that was mostly lava. Mm -hmm. um, I went to Bend to the REI there and I got to swap out my shoes. So I totally lucked out since mm -hmm. REI has a great return policy. Yeah. Um, so I got new shoes after the lava fields. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were, they were the wrong size anyway, but, um, yeah, they really tore up my shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can um, imagine. <laughs> so, so people who you were hiking with were getting more mileage out of your shoes. Yeah, for shoes. sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not, not, you know, not necessarily a ton more, but you know, definitely at least a hundred miles more, you know, so mm -hmm. You know, and at what, like, what made you decide that you need new shoes? Like, is it, um, cause I know for some people, once they start getting weird aches and pains, okay, that's the time when they need to get mm -hmm. new shoes, or maybe it's the tread on your shoes. Like what makes you need to get new shoes after like 350 miles? When my feet are going through the sides. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good indicator. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, usually it's like a catastrophic fail, you know, like the, the sides are tearing out. Um, that seemed to be the most prevalent thing for me. Um, I, I don't think I ever wore the treads off on any shoes. Like they still had good tread life. Um, before I started the AT, I tried six different brands and I would go, you know, I would like write down all the data, like how many miles I would do a minimum 40 miles in each shoe. And, um, you know, I, I ultimately came to ultras and I tell people don't, 
don't go with what I'm going, try different things because it's so subjective. Everybody's feet are different. Everybody's, I, I was studying biomechanics of walking. Everybody walks different, you know? And it was one of those things I was trying to, I was doing it and I'm like, am I a, you know, am I a, 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 a ball of the foot or am I heel strike or am I midfoot? And I really didn't know until I went out and really cognitively was aware of what I was doing. And, you know, and everybody walks different. You know, one of the guys that I hiked with on the AT that became part of my trampling, he would have, I would call it, he was more controlled falling. He wasn't really, you know, he would like, that would be his approach. He looked like he was just barreling through. So, it, and, it, I, and I learned that in that biomechanics book that some people just have a controlled fall. They're not walking or constantly falling, you know, but they're doing it kind of making it look like they're walking. It was very interesting. I never heard that before, but I'm like, I know that person. So <laughs> my trail family. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You really looked into this. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I'm retired, so I have time on my hands. So yeah, well, that's great. Cause you were able to research, you were able to test, which is okay. I know we're going to get into this kind of at the end of our interview, but this is great for new hikers. This is great advice right here. Test yeah. your shoes. And you did, you know, 40 miles minimum in each shoe you were testing. So yeah, yeah. that's great. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So we know where you stand on all of that. <laughs> now let's go into our 10 um, standard questions that we're going to ask um, all of the experienced hikers that we interview. So first one. Um, so we know your trail name is Katmandu. Can you yep. tell us how you got that trail name? Sure. When I lived in, in upstate New York, I was from the Catskills and, um, you know, I, would, I had a friend I would call our, our hometown was Shokan. So I called him Shokan. He would, he would call me Catskill. And then it kind of morphed um, when I moved to Florida. Um, one of the neighbors was joking with me and they were like, oh, you're a cat man. So um, then I kind of put it up on social media with all my friends. And I said, you know, I'm looking for a trail name because, you know, there's kind of two thoughts. You can either get on the trail and somebody will give you one. And sometimes they're not the most flattering. Um, or, you know, you can, you can come on the trail with one. And I would say most of my family members came on the trail with one. Um, so I kind of let my friends in social media develop it. So I, it's a takeoff of Kathmandu, um, you know, the, the, the uh, region in India. Um, so, you know, it just kind of made it fun, you know, so I kind of was settling on Catman, and a lifelong friend of mine said, oh, it's got to be Kathmandu. Um, because when you say you're going to do something, you do it. So I kind of like that. So <laughs> I'm persistent. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's very fitting. It's interesting too. I wonder, because um, my only experience is the PCT. Right. Um, the people that I started hiking with, nobody had a trail name unless they already had hiked. Usually it was the AT. Right. So um, we all started, and so many people start on the PCT a day mm -hmm. in the normal year. Yeah. So most people didn't have trail names and, mm -hmm. you know, we were kind of like awaiting the trail name, um, and accepting the, you know, people were accepting ones that they liked and all that stuff right. But on the AT. It seems like maybe that's a little different. I mean, at least the people you started with, it seems like yeah. had trail names. Yeah. It really seemed that way. Cause you, you know, going through some of the log books early on, I mean, people already had trail names or there were just a few that didn't. And, um, 
you know, and then of course, you know, you always want to, if they don't have one, you want to give them one, but you know, it, it's, you have to be kind of pacing with them to see them enough to give them one. Uh, there was one guy, um, this guy was really amazing. He, he was not a fast hiker. Um, he was not in trail shape, but he had enthusiasm. And I, I just, I really love that. And he was, he, he was a big fella and he, he always had this placid smile on his face. And I said to, uh, another guy I was hiking with, I said, if we see him again, his name was John Chapman. I said, I, he needs the trail name of Johnny Appleseed, you know, cause that's John Chapman. And, um, he ended up summiting, I think it was three months after I did, he lost 110 pounds on the trail. Right. Wow. And, and, you know, so I messaged him said, you know, I'm so proud of you and I'm so delighted that you got the trail name I wanted to give you because it's fitting. Um, you know, so I, I just thought that was one of the neatest stories of the year that, you know, that I hiked, you know, because, you know, he went through a lot to, to get to where he had to go. And it was, you know, his personal journey was really amazing. Really amazing. I just wish I had seen him more than a couple days. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's just speaking of trail names. Um, that's something that I, I didn't get a trail name until a little bit later on. Um, mm -hmm. Going northbound on the Pacific Crest Trail, I think it was just after Wrightwood when I was hiking up um, Mount Baden Powell, um, I got my trail name, but I hadn't really like hiked with somebody continuously. Yeah. Until that point, I started with a friend, but we parted ways just because we had different pieces and that sort of thing. And so I was like, am I ever going to get a trail name? But um, <laughs> it, it happened eventually. <laughs> so yeah. I see, I guess I see the benefits of coming on with a trail name. Right. Um, yeah. That's something you're concerned about. But, you know, if not for, for the new hikers who are listening to this or people who aspire to hike, it's, you know, maybe not something you have to worry about. But I was a little bit worried on the trail. Like, am I never going to have a trail name? Because I'm not like consistently hiking with somebody. Yeah. I mean, that, that is an issue. I mean, you know, for sure, for sure. And then I've then you know, I saw a number of people that got a trail name and then they changed it. And, you know, so that was kind of interesting too, but you know, it's, it's neat to have that identity. And w one funny story is, you know, I started out kind of hiking and saying, all right, there's two things I'm not going to do. I'm not, I'm not going to join a tramley right away. I, you know, I just like the solo experience um, and I'm probably not going to sleep in a shelter because the AT has almost 200 shelters. Um, well, the first two weeks I hiked, we had 11 inches of rain and it was in February. So in the Northeast, you know, that's temperatures in the thirties to 35, perfect hypothermic weather. So I became a shelter dweller and I hooked up, um, with another hiker. We were hiking the same pace, had the same mileage goals. Um, and, um, you know, he, he was the first member of the family. And by the time we got done, we had seven members. So yeah. And we all hiked, you know, we all, it, it was just great. We just had such great chemistry. Um, we talk every day and, you know, here it's 2021, you know, every day we talk and we're all over the globe, Australia, you know, all over the, all over the United States. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable the bonds you make on the trail, for sure. It really is. It's a beautiful thing. And mm -hmm. same here. I mean, I wasn't sure if I was going to have a trail family, kind of like you at the beginning. And it's hard. I mean, you can definitely 
be solo if you want to be solo. But um, the community on trail is, and I know, I'm sure for the AT, it's very similar to the PCT. The people mm -hmm. are just part of the reason why I wanted to hike actually was the community and I mm -hmm. found it to exceed my expectations. Oh, for sure. You know, you know, I, I had just read about it and never had experienced it, but you know, the community, um, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to really tell people and have them believe you. It's something you have to experience. And, and for me, the desire to continue hiking is because of that community you know, where everybody's out to support and help each other. And, you know, I just think it's amazing. You know, it's the best part of humanity as far as Agreed. I'm concerned. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Okay, with that, I know you kind of covered this a little bit, but if you want to go more into depth, question number two, what drew you into um, being interested in long distance hiking? I'm an outside person. Um, I've worked my whole career outside, played outside. Um, outside's where I need to be. There's no way I could work in a building. Um, I don't care how many windows it had, unless it's a greenhouse, which I did for you know almost 35 years. But as soon as it got warm out, I had to get outside. Um, so no, just I love to be outside. I love to be with nature. It's just calming, soothing, soul cleansing. It's it's my place to be. So, you know, doing anything in nature is, you know, always something that I've wanted to do. Um, most jobs I've had, you know, I would rather walk than take a vehicle. I'm very much a pedestrian. I don't, I don't like ATVs. I don't like snowmobiles. I don't like anything mechanical. I just like to walk. I like to hear myself and hear nature. So. Yeah, I like that you said soul cleansing because I, I found that to be true. Um, it was such a spiritual experience, uh -huh. just walking every day and being out in nature. It just became so magical and yeah, mm -hmm. spiritual. So I love that you love that you said that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all love to get outside. Anybody who's on a long trail, I think they like to get outside. <laughs> yeah, I would, that's a good assumption. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're there. Yeah. All right. Question three. Okay. Um, oh, this is a good one. So gear, what were your favorite and least favorite pieces of gear? And um, are you going to make any changes for your future hikes? So my most favorite piece of gear on the AT was probably my, my Osprey pack um, because it just, it was heavy, but it was never a burden. It was always very comfortable. Um, and um you know, it's just, it, it kind of, it became kind of like a standing joke because it was, it weighed so much and it was so big. Um, I'm a fairly fast hiker. So I would pass people and I would hear two comments and they would like really fuel my fire. One was, you see the size of his pack. And then the second would be that guy's old. And I just, to me, that was just, I was like, that's right. And I just flew past you and I'm going to be gone out of your sight in no time. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was my favorite piece of uh, of equipment um my least favorite piece of equipment um until i got to master it was was my neo air mattress um i can't tell you how many times i wake up in a mall night having fallen off the mattress and just wake up laughing 
like trying to get back on in my mummy bag. And, um, but at the same time, it was an integral piece. So I, I had a love hate relationship with it. Um, so because most of my gear worked, I didn't change anything along the way, which I know is unusual, but I, I think I did so much intensive research and trying things out that I was really dialed in um, for the AT. Um, having said that, uh, and I talked about being sustainable, I went to a hyperlight backpack, um, smaller, less weight. Um, I changed my tent up. I went to um, a duplex, um, so a Z-Pack duplex, um, because I know, you know, when I get to the desert, I'm going to have water carries. I know, uh, you know, it, just to be sustainable as I, as I grow older, nobody's getting younger. I really need to be a little aware of the weight and a little concerned so I don't overutilize my, my joints and knees and ankles and back. You know, I think it's a smart way to go. So I'm begrudgingly lightening my load, <laughs> but I'm not, a, I'm not obsessed about it. So, mm, yeah. So a couple of follow-up questions for that. Um, your Osprey pack, was it the X house that you were using? Uh, the Atmos and it was oh, okay. a 65 liter. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, um, and then your Neo Air. So yeah. that's what a lot of people use on the PCT too. Um, yeah. I did not personally use it, but wh why do you, do you think you were falling off of it? Was it because it was too skinny or was it too high off of the ground? I, I think because it, it's by nature, it's kind of slippery and both sleeping bags I had um, were of similar material, material for the shell. So I think it, it was a little slippery. Um, what I intend to do, um, I keep talking about it, but I haven't done it is I want to get the seal uh, glue and just do some zigzags on my, on my mat. So it doesn't slide around my tent. Cause the, when I did the long trail last year, um, the uh, Z packs duplex, the fabric is very slippery. So if I use the sealer, I'm going to also do the floor of the tent so that things don't slide around as much. So that's a little tip I picked up. Um, so Hopefully that'll remedy me falling off the mattress. <laughs> Hopefully. Was this happening every night? No, not every night. I, you know, I'm a toss and turner. So it really depended on, you know, on the night. So, but it did happen enough where I, I would, I would start laughing. I mean, I, what other reaction could you have, you know? So. Well, you had a positive reaction. I'm sure some people would have a more negative reaction to that. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Well, um, I also have, I use a hyperlight and I've only, um, used a hyperlight long distance hiking and I, for what it's worth, I love it. And I love that it's waterproof or mostly. Yeah. Waterproof. mostly yeah. Waterproof. yeah. I'm, I'm really liking it. You know, I, um, when I've been training for a while now and I, I have, I, I wear my pack full load. Um, that way when I get on trail, it's like any other day. I don't feel it. Um, and I'm really, I, it's comfortable. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. The only thing that's a negative about it is just that, you know, the Atmos had a, a kind of a, a void where you could have some airflow and the hyperlight, you get zero airflow. Anybody who has one knows that. 
Oh, I know that. Yeah, I actually tested an Osprey Exos before mm -hmm. when I was doing my shakedown hikes before the PCT. And I really loved that feature on the Exos was that like, it was almost a webbing in between your back and then the actual pack. Yeah. So you could kind of stay dry, like your back wouldn't be all wet with sweat. And so mm -hmm. you're you're a hundred percent, like that's what I experienced too, which I love the hyperlight for so many reasons, but my back is always sweaty. <laughs> yeah, and I, I hiked um, on Monday, I did a 14 mile hike and it was, it ended at 80 degrees. So I was pretty, pretty profusely wet. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Breaking in that pack. Yeah, you know, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Nice. Well, you have to keep us updated on how you like the hyperlight as you, as you hike the PCT. Oh, for sure. All right, question four. Okay, this will be good. And this is kind of twofold. So what is your favorite and worst memory from hiking the AT? Um, my favorite memory... Um, my favorite memory was, was a span of a week. Um, we were, we were in Virginia and on the AT, they, there's a term called Virginia blues because it's 541 miles long the state and it doesn't compare to anything out West, of course, but so people would often get the Virginia blues, but we were having such fun. It wasn't going to happen. But we were due to go out and a severe storm came through and it was, they were talking about tornadoes and really heavy winds. We were going up um, ex some exposed balds and begrudgingly we stayed back, um, which was in retrospect, a very smart thing to do. Um, I'm not usually deterred by weather, but we said, nah, we shouldn't do it. So we didn't do it. And because we lost the we took a zero when we didn't want to. We hatched an idea of doing a weekathon, and the weekathon would be a minimum a marathon a day for a week. Um, so it sounds grueling, and and it was a little bit, but it was really fun to push and challenge ourselves. And we ended up with 190 miles in a week. Wow. And that was through some pretty good terrain. And we actually walked our way out of spring back into winter. So all of a sudden, one day we're like, there's no leaves on the trees. We actually got ahead of spring. Um, but, you know, it soon caught back up to us. But that was such a fun week because it was just challenging. And, you know, we were just pushing each other and supporting each other. And, you know, so that was that was really, you know, something that's memorable. But I'll, you know, never forget so something crazy. to be proud of yeah for sure for sure yep nice how about your worst memory from trail the worst memory on the trail in 2019 was behind us about a week there was a murder um the uh hikers the hiker that um there were two hikers that were assaulted um the one essentially saved the other and he ended up dying um, and you know, that was just, you know, it was just such a shock to everything we knew about, you know, through hiking our culture and everything else. And, you know, it just, it was just so unsettling. Um, and, you know, I had hiked with a number of people that had met the young man that died and, uh, you know, so it had really had a profound impact on everybody. 
you know, that was just, you know, something that should never happen. So that definitely, you know, made us very reflective and very sad. So. Right. Yeah, I think I remember reading about that when I myself was hiking the PCT and I was shocked. Yeah. I yeah. think the whole through hiking community was shocked. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. Is very unsettling for sure. Right, I imagine that was probably, you know, most AT hikers worst memory on trail uh, that year. Without a doubt, I, I know in the yearbook, um, you know, there was a whole tribute page and, you know, rightly so, you know, so. Definitely, yep. Yeah. Yeah, very sad, but luckily it's not necessarily common. Yeah, thank God for that. Yeah. Um, so, but awful still, just the same awful. Mm -hmm. um, okay, this might actually kind of be the same answer, but question five is scariest moment on trail. Um. I don't know if there was any scary moments. Um, maybe early on going through Tennessee, um, and I know this happens out west a lot. Of course, I'm close to the summit. A big lightning storm just chimes in. And it's like, should I go up and get over? Should I, you know, you're counting thunderclaps. And, um, you know, is it getting closer? Is it getting further away? Definitely pause for concern. But that, that's probably about it. You know, I'm so comfortable in nature, you know, like I'm not, I'm more concerned going into a town than I am walking through a bear's den. You know, it's just, it's just how I am. Um, you know, so I'm very comfortable in the woods, noises in the night, things that go bump. I really don't even raise my eyebrows to, you know, so yeah. So really, you know, and I know it's going to happen you know, on the PCT, definitely thunderstorms where, you know, the hair rises on your head and you can feel, you know, all the energy. That's, uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting to encounter that. Mm, yeah, lightning is definitely a cause for concern, um, yeah. especially in the Sierra. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're supposed to be getting over the passes by noon or even mm -hmm. earlier because that's when yeah. everything rolls in. So, um, yeah. Yeah. but it seems like, you know, kind of, what to look for. You, you said you were, you know, counting the thunderclaps and everything. Right. So, um, you know, and I, I think a lot of people on the PCT initially are afraid of like the animals, mountain lions, etc. Mm -hmm. But um, everybody who, well, most people I've talked to have finished a long trail, um, not really cause for concern after. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I found that being out in nature is so peaceful, even at night, like before I started, yeah. I thought it's going to be so scary at night and it's going to be so noisy with all the animals running around and hunting. So quiet normally, mm -hmm. so quiet. So it was interesting to kind of see that I was wrong about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny for new hikers for what, what concerns them, you know, cause you know, it's, you know, everybody has their concerns and their fears and, you know, but like you said, when you get done, you're like, what was I even worrying about? You know, it's like, it's nothing. So. Yeah. On that subject, was there something that you were afraid of that at the end of the day or at the end of your hike, you realize, oh, I didn't even need to worry about this. Well, yeah, I'll tell you a little story. So um, early on in my planning and everything, I went to a class at REI and, and it was a, a young lady who just finished the AT 
and she did a she did a great presentation and she divided the the room kind of in half so anybody uh under 30 you're going to use this whiteboard anybody over 30 you're going to use this whiteboard and she goes i want you to write down what you fear or what you're afraid of um what you have trepidation about and then if you go up your turn to go up to the board one of those things is listed just put a check mark and interestingly enough, everybody under 30 had entirely different fears and concerns than people over 30. Um, so being in the over 30 group, our number one fear and concern was injury. You know, we were afraid to get injured on a trail. Um, and the other side, it's like bears and ticks and Lyme disease. And it's like, I'm not even concerned about any of that, you know, um, yeah, Giardia, things like that. But it, but it was really, it was a real stark contrast of the age group and what people feared. Um, it, was, it was a great social experience, you know, as far as that went. And so, so I didn't fear anything on the trail, but I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, injury, just, you know, don't do anything crazy, you know, slow it down. Um, but that was really it. That's the only thing that concerned me you know so but mm. again with the background of being comfortable being outside working outside playing outside you know a lot of things that weren't new to me you know so right changes your perspective mm -hmm. gosh yeah I never thought about that in terms of age mm -hmm. yeah yeah hmm. yep. that does sound like a good REI um <laughs> group to drop in on <laughs> yeah yeah you did a good job whoever she was yeah the at hiker at rei <laughs> nice okay okay i think in one of our through crew meetings we talked about food and i think you yes. were on that but um just for the purposes of our listeners i'm gonna mm -hmm. ask um where and what was your best town meal okay um so I had some great hostel meals, but I think town meal, um, Hot Springs, the Appalachian Cafe had a 30 ounce hamburger, cheeseburger. Um, and uh, that was pretty amazing, pretty amazing. So that was probably my favorite town experience, food experience that you know I would easily recollect. Um, I stayed in a couple of hostels that had amazing food. Uh, Woods Hole um, in, uh, in Virginia, um, you would participate in helping make the meal. We did a pesto pasta and great salad and everything's, a lot of things are farm to table or the owner, um, Neville Harris, she, she's really close with her neighboring farms so they do a lot of bartering but everything is like really fresh and that was a great great experience breakfast and and dinner were just amazing um and i think that's touted as the oldest hostel uh on the trail and it's uh, all chestnut log cabin uh the guest house and the main house so it was just a wonderful experience for sure so the food the food was great and of course um up in Maine at Monson's, at Shaw's, they do an unbelievable breakfast, just legendary. So that, that was another great hostel experience, for sure. Nice. 
Great, great tips for future AT hikers out there. Yeah. Know where to stop for food. Very important. Absolutely. <laughs> the most important thing when you're through hiking is food, especially when you get into town. Yeah. Yep, that's for sure. I mean, you when, so when you hiked and you were going into town, did you not know exactly what you were going to eat? I always looked ahead if I could. Ah. And I kind of targeted, well, it, I guess it depended. It depended, but I sometimes I, maybe half the time, I would look ahead on Gut right. app and see what everybody was raving about. Or I would, you know, talk to some hikers to see if they heard of any like great places to go. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess maybe 50% of the time I kind of knew where I wanted to go. Yeah. The other 50%, I was just winging it. Yeah, we, we would get obsessed with something. Um, burgers or tacos or pizza or just something. And for days before we got to town, so we would get to town and we'd be like, we'd know exactly what we wanted. And it was just, you know, it was, th- that was so cool. Just the anticipation and everything to build up for it. So. Oh yeah. It's like the, you know, dangling carrot in front of you for sure. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's funny. I just speaking of food, I found that at least with me and my trail family and the hikers that I talked to on trail, I think like half of the time we were talking about food, you know, going on hiking, we were talking about food and what we were fantasizing about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. No no, no doubt about it. It's the number one topic. Number one. Um, And when I got into town, I don't know what you guys did in your trail family, but we didn't even like check into a hotel. We didn't take showers. We went for the food first. We didn't care how we smelled. Always first. Yeah. Food first. Food first. You can shower, do laundry later, and then go eat again. Right. Eat while you're doing all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For sure. Okay. More food talk here. Question seven. What was your favorite thing to eat on trail, to prepare on trail? So what I would do, and it'll, I'm sure it'll really disgust people. My favorite food was like Idaho mashed potatoes, instant mashed potatoes, and an entire can of anchovies. Olive oil, everything right in there. Um, you know, of course, boil the water, mix it together, stir it, you know, just stir it. And that, that, was, that was my go-to meal. I, I, you know, I ate that more than anything else. Um, you know, good protein, good carbs, olive oil, you know, more protein. Um, yeah, but you know, I definitely grossed people out when I was making it. <laughs> I have never heard of that combo before. You're the first. Ah, Congratulations. <laughs> as much as we talked about food on trail, I've never heard of that combo, but I know a lot of people, including me, mashed potatoes were a mainstay and then I would oh, make yeah. you know buffalo chicken or you know two jalapeno tuna mm-hmm. peas, whatever um so but I haven't heard anchovies mm-hmm. that's a good one yeah especially with the olive oil that's like a half right there yeah yeah that's a win <laughs> that's a win for sure nice okay question eight um let's see okay this is a good one what was the nicest thing someone did for you on trail or in town? Nicest thing. That's probably there a tough were, question. There were a lot of amazing things that people do for each other. Um, 
everywhere, on trail and in town. Um, so on the AT, uh, there, there's a legend. Uh, his name is Fresh Graham. Um, you see all these wonderful YouTube videos with him. And here's a guy that takes, you know, it's his time, his energy, and he goes out and he cooks for hikers. And he'll start in Georgia and make his way to Maine. Um, Tim Davis is his, his real name. Trail name is Fresh Ground, and he's known for his Fresh Ground coffee. Um, his rig, his van is called the Leapfrog Cafe. And actually, last year, he went from the AT to the Colorado Trail to the PCT. So he was, he was feeding hikers in Oregon and Washington and Colorado last year, as well as the AT. Um, so, but typically he stays to the AT. I had heard about him. He was a legend. I saw the videos. I'm like, I can't wait to meet this guy. This will be incredible. I think it was the third day of the hike. Come down into a gap, pouring rain, 36 degrees out. I see this white van with a tarp with a little wood stove. And he's like, oh, come on over. And gives me a fresh ground coffee um, from his French press. He's feeding me like an Italian grandmother. Like, how many do you want? Oh, just one. He gives me two. Here, have more of this. Eat this. Eat that. Um, I, I just felt, you know, it was amazing to, to, to see the legend, to meet the legend, to be fed by the legend. And my unrealistic expectations was every gap, every trailhead, I would see him all the way to Maine. Um, so the next time I saw him was in New Hampshire. So, you know, but, but that anticipation, like, did you smell that? Do I smell food? You know, you're getting excited. And no, he's not there. Um, so we get to New Hampshire and... It's the end of the day. We have like another six more miles to go. We come to a trailhead and there he is. And he's like, hey, come on in. And he feeds everyone. It doesn't really matter. I, um, he doesn't care. He's just, the guy is, he, he's just unbelievable. So he feeds us and he's like, all right, guys, you know, get going. You got six more miles to go. It's getting dark. Um, we're like, we're going to help you clean up. And he's like, no, no, I got this. I got this. We're like, no, like, no, you fed us. You took care of us. We're going to help you. So that kind of threw him off his game because, you know, he's not used to that. So I'm like, hey, just tell us what goes in what bin. Tell us which bin you want because he has a whole routine of packing his van. So we did that. And he closes the door and he's facing the van, not eagerly ready to turn around and I just put my hand on his shoulder and go, Hey, thank you so much. We just, we appreciate it. It was great seeing you again. And he's got tears in his eyes and I'm like, oh, what's going on? He goes, I've been doing this for eight or nine years. No one's ever helped me pack up. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. He's like, no, no. I mean, I've had offers, but I don't know how sincere they were. And, you know, he, he goes, but, you guys just wouldn't take no for an answer. You guys are joking around. The chemistry is great. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're just having fun. You're just living life. He goes, I'll see you in two weeks. So we're like, all right, that, you know, if it happens, that's great. So in two weeks we see him and he becomes a permanent fixture in our lives. And he actually went to Katahdin 
that morning at 4 a.m., he made us breakfast um, and he hiked it with us. So he summited Katahdin with us. And, I, you know, we were so, so lucky, so fortunate. Um, you know, along the way, we were at Abel Bridge. Some kayakers came up and they're like, is this a food truck? And he's like, are you hungry? And they're like, yeah. He goes, it's not a food truck, but I want to feed you. I mean, that kind of guy, just a wonderful guy. We were in New Hampshire and there was a guy that was kind of in a bind and he went out of his way. He wasn't a hiker. He was just a guy passing through town and just the humanity. He wanted to help this guy and he did help this guy. And, you know, he made a difference in somebody's life. And, you know, we were just so, you know, so lucky to, I was so lucky to meet him the first time, no less, you know, he, he fed us, our, fed our way through New Hampshire and Maine. Um, we were just so, so fortunate. And, uh, you know, definitely it was, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> we talk at least once a month. Um, I want to try to spend a week with him this spring feeding hikers. Um, so I'm going to do the Benton Mackay, which is roughly about 300 miles. It parallels the AT from Georgia through the Smokies uh, into Tennessee. And then when I get off trail, I'm going to catch up with him and help him feed hikers, you know, because it's just, it's so important to give back. Um, but yeah, that was such an amazing experience, you know, for sure. So. Yeah, he sounds like a beautiful soul. Oh, he is. He is. You definitely have to check him out on, on YouTube. Does he have his own channel or is um, he he's just, yeah, he, no, he doesn't have his own channel. Um, he's on Instagram as uh, fresh grounds. Um, okay. But if you go on YouTube and just, you know, type in fresh grounds, there's all kinds of, uh, there's all kinds of videos of him. Yeah. He's just, a, just an amazing guy. Um, all the, he gets all the funding mostly from past hikers and people that love hikers. Um, so, you know, this isn't, you know, it, he does, he does depend on donations from, um, you know, from the public, but if, he, if he's feeding you, he'll be like, no, I don't want any money. I don't accept any money, you know? So he's very clear about that. You know, it's not, it's not for, and the money is just to, just to kind of finance the whole adventure. Cause it cost him, I think between like 12 and $15,000 a year to it, what he spends on food for hikers. So that's all donations. His time is entirely his time that he donates to it. Just an, just an amazing guy. He sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm going to look for that. Um, if he has a donation link. Um, he does. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to look for that. And I'll put it in the um, show notes for this. Oh, podcast. That'd be awesome. So yeah. Listeners would like to donate. And I think I'll be one of them. Yeah, um, excellent. Via the link. Um, yes. Put in the show notes. So that's amazing. Yeah. I yeah. love that he summited Katahdin with you guys. Yeah, I, it was it was super special for sure, for sure. Awesome, yeah. so touching. I love I love this question in particular because it kind of encapsulates the kindness that you just. At least for me, I didn't feel like I deserved it. You know, I, oh, I yeah. had some experiences like that too. And as a hiker, I'm just like, how are you so amazing? And you don't want anything I offer. Like I offer mm -hmm. money. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like you guys didn't take no for an answer, which I think is actually a good lesson for future hikers is, yeah. you know, I, I guess when you said that he got emotional cause you didn't take no for an answer mm -hmm. um, and really no other hikers offered to do that. I think maybe that's something the newer hikers could do 
um, sure. to go back to them, at least help yeah. them clean up and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard because they usually say no at first. Right. Um, maybe it makes, you know, makes sense to push a little bit more. To help yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Awesome. Love, <laughs> love stories like this. Okay. Um, question number nine. Okay, this could be a loaded question. Um, maybe not, maybe it's simple. <laughs> what was the greatest lesson you learned while hiking? Karma, um, pay it forward. Anybody in need, support, help, encourage. Um, you know, I'm real type A personality. I like worry about way too many things. Um, the, the first person that, be, the first member of my family was 32 years younger than me. And he taught me so much on being calm and just like kind of letting things happen and just really, you know, believing in karma and just doing good. And, and, and on the trail, it's like an accelerated process. You do something good today, you might get in return something this afternoon or tomorrow. It's not like out in the real world where you do something nice, you know, out of the goodness of your heart and you know, maybe you see something that year or you never do, or you eventually will, but on a trail, it's like so quick to happen. You know, you take care of somebody, somebody needs fuel or somebody needs, they're out of water or whatever. You just, you just do it. You know, you don't, you don't think twice about it. It's like, we're all out there to help encourage. And, and it comes back to you. Um, the, the um, you know, the, this guy lucky that, that was my hiking mate in the beginning you know, I'd, I'd worry about things like, you know, we have to hitch a ride. We need to go 30 miles. And he'd be like, oh, it's all right. We're going to get a ride. You know, and I'm worried. I'm like, oh, man, you know, how many miles am I going to walk just to get a ride back to the trailhead? And here comes first car pulls over. You know, it's like, why did I worry? You know, so he was a real calming effect on me. And and really, you know, he was so significant to, to my whole mindset on the trail. Um you know, and, you know, his trail name was Lucky because, you know, he, he constantly got great karma. And it's because he he gave great karma. Um, one quick funny story is we got to a shelter, was real secluded. It was, I think, the oldest shelter on the on the uh, AT was Cable Gap. And he goes to me, it was just him and I, we got there at dusk and he's like, hey, I got a problem. And I'm like, what's that? He goes... I don't have any toilet paper. Um, so I'm trying to be dramatic. So I'm like, oh, and I just you know, kind of throw my hands up and I look up and in the rafters of this rickety old shelter is a pristine roll of toilet paper, right? So we're like, and then I'm, I just go like this and he looks up, he goes, you gotta be kidding me. And I'm like, no. Um, so he's like, sweet. So he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm only gonna take what I think I need because somebody else will need it, which, you know, that's how you have to be on trail and you should be in life anyway. But anyway, we go to open up the logbook and it is just shredded by the mice. How did this pristine roll of toilet paper untouched by mice exist? I don't know. You know, it's just, you know, <laughs> good story for sure. Love it. Yeah, it reminds me, I don't know um, if you guys have this saying on the AT, but on the PCT, we have this saying and it's the trail provides. Yes, yes. I like what you're the saying. The trail provides, absolutely, 100%.
I can't tell you how many times you and you encounter that. And I think if, you know, you free your mind and just stop worrying and let things happen. It, it just, it's amazing. You, you could be having the worst day ever and it can turn around in a, you know, blink of an eye really can, you know, so I, you know, the one thing I've always, I'm, I'm not introverted at all, but the one thing I try to do on trail is always engage everybody because you don't know what kind of day they're having. You don't know what kind of encouragement they need or, you know, and you can really make a difference, you know, with your positivity in somebody's day, you know, and I think, you know, we all need to do that, you know, for sure. That should be a trail rule number one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rules of the trail. Yep. Love it. We are on to our last official question. Um, and this is kind of open-ended too. And I know you've been giving advice, some great tips all the way through, but do you have kind of any big picture advice for um, aspiring through hikers out there? Um, if you can do it, do it. Don't put it off. Um, because, you know, it, it could be if you're younger and kind of undecided on your life's path, it could really give you direction. You know, um, I didn't go on a trail to find myself or learn anything, but I did go on a trail to, to be a better version of myself, um, which we can do at any age. But I, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of time for clarity and a lot of time to really find, you know, what you like and, and pursue it, you know? So, you know, I ran into a couple about a week and a half ago hiking and um you know and we talked about that and they were younger and i'm like you know that it's just it's so great to see people get out and do the trail um it's so life-changing two of my family members were mid-30s and they were kind of in a rut it completely completely helped them you know it's it can be really life-changing if you're looking for direction, it can be really life enhancing if you know where you're going. So get on the trail. Don't, you know, plan it, make it happen. Great. Yeah. Take note, all you listeners out there. <laughs> Catmandu knows <laughs> what's up here. <laughs> okay, so now we're kind of in the bonus round. Do you think there's anything that I kind of missed that's really important regarding oh. your experience on the AT? I don't, I don't think so. I think the, you know, those 10 questions are going to be, they're, they're going to be a good foundation um, for people. Um, I, I just think, you know, and I really support you on the podcast because the more information we can make available, the more interaction we can have, it's going to help the next class of hikers on any which trail. Um, you know, there's so much information out there. Um, and, you know, I, I like podcasts way more than social media because social media can get distracted and, you know, very opinionated. And, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive to the hiking community because we're real supportive. We're not, you know, we're not trying to discourage anybody or, you know, really push certain things. You know, we just want everybody to, have, to enjoy their journey. You know, that's, that's the big thing, you know, so. Yep. 
Couldn't agree with you more. And thank you for your support. And thank you for being our first guest. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad to do it. Really glad to do it. Love having you on. And I, well, I guess I have another important question for you. Cause mm -hmm. of War, can you tell us more about that? I was reading about the initiatives and it's so amazing. Yeah, so, so Pause of War is a, is a group that started in New York and one of the trainers moved to Florida with her husband and she got the blessings to create a branch in Florida. Um, where we came in was when I was planning on hiking the AT, I was blogging for the trek. Um, I was doing radio interviews um, in upstate New York in the Adirondacks. And I said to my wife, this is such a great opportunity to benefit an organization. So I gave her the charge and I said, hey, find an organization that, you know, that, that is passionate about things that we, we really are. Um, and we love, we love animals um, and we love rescue, rescue dogs. Uh, and we really love our vets, our military vets. Um, they do so much for us. And we, we never want to take them for granted. So she found Pause of War and it was the, the, the best marriage of both of them. So the whole, the way the organization works is they utilize shelter dogs um, from, from shelters that would euthanize if they're overcrowded. And we pair them up with military veterans, first responders, firemen, EMT, paramedic, and law enforcement that have PTSD or uh, TBI or any, um, any real strong need for a service animal and a capacity that can help them function during the day. Um, we go through the, the animal shelters, we test the aptitude, uh, how the dog interacts with other pets, um, how they interact with people, um, make sure they're not aggressive, um, so we have a matrix of all the different things we look for, basic criteria. Uh, some of the dogs go on to another program called Tails Program, which goes to the Florida State Prison. And the dogs will go to the prison and they'll learn all their general commands. Um, and then they come back to the shelter and we kind of already have them pre-selected. And then we pair them up with one of our members. Uh, then we do weekly training. It could be two days a week, uh, or it could be a minimum of one. We provide all the training um, accessories, all the expenses incurred with um, adopting a dog, um, having it uh, spayed or neutered, um, vaccines, anything the dog needs. Um, collars, uh, leashes, uh, booties. In Florida, we put booties on the dogs if it's really warm so their feet don't get uh, injured from the hot surfaces. Um, and we provide training, you know, year round. Uh, a dog and its trainer can take anywhere from three months to a year and it's all free. There's no expense whatsoever. And uh, from start to finish, watching this process as we do it's so rewarding how the dogs benefit their handlers uh, our motto is helping both ends of the leash which really really you know kind of ties it in a neat bow it's so true um it's life-changing what these dogs can do for their handlers uh so it's very gratifying um when i got on the at um they were just doing uh oh if you want to help us you can send a check 
to this address. We're like, no, 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 you need to get PayPal, you need social media platform. So my wife and I, we've, we really helped establish that. Why I was on the trail, they lassoed my wife and brought her into the fold. And now she's the fundraising um, coordinator. And now I'm just, and I'm a regular coordinator. I facilitate all the meetings, the Zoom meetings and training and help my wife fundraising. And um, we've been able to make, you know, a significant difference um, with the amount of um, monies that we could donate it. Um, and we're trying to do even more. Um, one of the conceptual ideas right now is where's Kathmandu? Sort of like where's Waldo on the PCT. Um, so, you know, we're, you know, whatever we can do to raise funds, because, you know, it's, it's, you know, it costs money, obviously. Um, give you an idea. So th this weekend, we're doing a um, mobile veterinarian clinic, entirely free. Um, and it's for those groups of individuals, uh, military vets, uh, veterinarian, yeah, <laughs> veterans, um, first responders and law enforcement. And they can bring their service animals. They can bring their regular companion dogs or, or, or you know, family dog. Um, we do microchipping. We do all the vaccines. We do nail clipping. We do general um, physical for the dogs, uh, blood work. Um, and we, we're going to do one in January, one in February. And, you know, I mean, talking about giving back to the community, I mean, it's just, just a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Um, so that's, it's Paws of War and it's Florida is the branch, um, pawsofwar.org. Um, we do, we try to do as many things as possible with the community um, and with those groups of people. And it's just a really rewarding thing. So that's, that's my organization of choice. And um, it's been, it's been so rewarding to, to help them out. What a great cause. And it, it yeah. sounds like you and your wife are heavily involved at this point, which is amazing. Very heavily, probably to a point where they're going to be glad I'm on trail, but, you know, not glad. <laughs> so. <laughs> Might be missing you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the other part of that is because of the social media, because of Instagram and, and Facebook and, you know, um, blogging with the track and, and, you know, maybe doing more podcasts with you. Um, a lot of our members follow me and support me. And it's such a boost on the trail to get little notes and memos or, or I'll get a resupply box. Um, Cause I usually send out half my resupply boxes and then leave the other open because as you know, the food we liked, we hate now. Um, so, and all of a sudden it'd be like all these different like things I get in my box and it's from all the different vets and members that, you know, like, Oh, here, give them this, you know, and you know, they're just, it's great that they're living vicariously through me because, you know, some of them are just physically unable to, to, you know, go for a walk in the woods or go for a hike. So to be able to share my adventure, you know, it's a whole nother aspect of it. It's just so cool. So cool. You know, it's just, it's amazing to do for sure. Nice. Yeah. We would love to support you too. So if you have the links, um, yeah. you know, I have, I have, um, the links for Pause of War. So I can mm -hmm. include that in the show notes. But if you have a different, I'm not sure exactly how you're going to structure, what did you call it? Where in the world is Kathmandu? Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> where now, how are you going to structure that? Is that going to be kind of a social media thing? Or is that going to be on the website? 
So, yeah, so we're still developing it. So fortunately, you know, I start July 1st from Hearts Pass. So I got a little bit of time to, to tweak it. But what we're going to try to do is work with um, different outdoor stores like REI and our local one is Travel Country. And, it's, you know, some of the stores that provide outdoor stuff. And I want to try to keep it outdoor to encourage people to get outside. Um, so we're going to try to have right now about 25 prizes so depending on how many weeks it takes me, um, we're going to do, you know, different, you know, different questions for the week. Like, you know, besides where in the world does Catman do? And I'll be, you know, I have my in rates, so my wife knows where I am. But um, some of the ideas, I got to kind of cheat and look at some of my notes. Oh, yeah. Like how many peaks climbed in a day? Um you know, over and under on elevation. Um, guess when I enter, when I touch, you know, the Northern Terminus, when do I cross, um, you know, in Oregon, uh, when do I cross into California? When do I finish in Mexico? Um, guess when my first zero is, you know, so we're going to try to keep it, you know, varied. Um, so yeah, you're kind of guessing where I am, but not specifically because, you know, you, you know, if you're following along, you can, after a while say, oh, he's going to do 20 miles. You, you know what I mean? So, and, and if anybody had gut hooks, you're going to nail it because you're, you'll see, oh, well, that makes sense. Here's the next tenning site or whatever, um, or the next water source. Um, you know, how many pairs of shoes will I go through? Um, how many, how many days will it take me? So we have all these different um, ideas. And since, you know, my career of working outside and being a horticulturist, I just, I love plants. Um, I know a lot about plants, know a lot about animals. Um, so I'm going to try to keep it educational too. So I'm going to try to really, you know, interact with, with the people that follow me, grow that following and, you know, and benefit pause the war, you know? So, you know, I'm working on it. Those are, those are ideas. So we're going to have a meeting tomorrow night after training and, you know, hopefully nail some things down and then have like a grand prize. So everybody that guesses something correct in a week We'll get a prize, which we don't know what it is, and we're aspiring to either like a really nice mountain bike or a kayak as the grand prize. So all the winners will go into a hat, and then of those winners, we'll pull one that wins the grand prize. So, and we're still working out the logistics of, you know, how do you support me? Is it, you know, X amount of dollars per week that goes to pause a war or, you know, so we're working on the mechanics of that. We're not entirely sure, you know, how that's going to play out i've been doing a lot of research um so time will tell but i'll definitely have all that information available so yes please keep us updated on that because we would love to kind of feature that on the through yeah. website, uh, you know everything social media blog all that stuff we would yeah. love to so definitely yeah. keep us updated on that and again um, for the it. listeners we'll have all the links um in the show notes okay Closing. Where can people keep up with your adventures? I know you're blog. Are you still going to be blogging for the track on the PC? Yeah. Matter of fact, um, one of my stories was published this morning on my weight strategy, um, which has nothing to do with UL. Um, and so I'll be writing as I do the Benton Mackay and, you know, probably from now right on through the AT. So definitely the track. Um, and I'm going to probably do radio interviews again up in the Adirondacks, which I, I can give you the link for that um, as well. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, 
I'd like to work with you to do, you know, on trail podcast. I think that, that would, you know, you know, this is something we should talk about. Um, yes. because I had this in my mind, but I couldn't really, I mean, I've listened to podcasts before mm -hmm. that had trail correspondence, specifically sounds of the trail. I was right. obsessed with that podcast and I was so sad that it ended. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I know, I think maybe I haven't listened to the Trex podcast, but I think maybe they have trail correspondence too. I'm not totally they, sure. They, they do. Cause the, the, one of my family members frozen, he, he was a correspondent for the Trek and I blogged. Um, and then have you ever listened to Mighty Blue? No, but I'm writing that down. <laughs> Listen to Mighty Blue. Um, he hiked, he hiked, um, the second time he did the AT was in 2019. He was right behind me. Um, and he was 64 or 65 at the time. Um, and what he does is um, he, he gets somebody on the trail and he follows them. Um, you know, he's primarily just the AT, um, but I did get him to expand, and um, he he got um, oh, I'm wrecking my brain for a last name. Um, old man on the PCT uh, who hiked this year, um, Mike Current. He got Mike Current on the show. So he, he did profile the PCT two weeks ago. Um, so, but usually he's just a one trail guy and it's the AT, but I'm trying to get him to expand, but he does an amazing job on his podcast and he'll have, he'll have people that will track the entire trail, um, which is really cool. And people love that. Like I said, I like mighty blue because you can follow somebody. Like I followed, uh, there was a guy on the trail this year um, who actually finished his triple crown and uh, his trail name was the president. And, you know, so every, every week there was, you know, there was correspondence with him and you could see where he was, how many miles he did. And, and it was kind of fun. Cause for me, I relived the trails, you know, I re retra retraced the steps. Um, so that was really fun. Um, you know, so either going forward or, or looking back, you know, I think they're really fun for the correspondence. I think it would be great for you to do. I think it would really help your following. I really do. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. I was, you know, I'm glad you brought it up too. Cause I was kind of like going back and forth about it. And I was like, maybe mm -hmm. not 2021, you know, maybe yeah. I'll wait, but I, you're kind of pushing me to do this um, or to set it up. Cause it's yeah. going to be you guys doing it mostly. <laughs> um, I, I think this might be the year. been so great talking with you Kathmandu. Yeah, Thank likewise. You so much for all yeah. of your inspiration and your tips and I'm sure um everybody out there will appreciate especially the new hikers I'd say appreciate yeah. what you say about the AT specifically and um so excited to follow you on your PCT trek. Thank you so much Kathmandu. Have a great night. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye now. All right, guys, how great is he? <laughs> Katmandu mentioned that I should talk to Mighty Blue, which I since have, and Mighty Blue described Katmandu as an evolved human being, which I think is definitely true. Notice that we were discussing trail correspondence, so chances are we will be seeing a lot more of Katmandu on the Thruer podcast, blog, social media, 
all that good stuff. And as far as links to everything we spoke about, check out the show notes. Special mentions to Paws of War, so there is a link to learn more and to donate, as well as a link to Katmandu's Instagram so you can follow along with all of his adventures. And if you would like to get involved with the Thruer community, we have meetups. Um, if you want to be a trail correspondent, if you'd like to train with us, if you want to check out our helpful resources, you can check out our website and social media, which is also listed in our show notes, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> it's www.thruer.com. That's www.thru-r.com. And we would love to have you. Thanks for tuning in and until next time, happy hiking.